Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's the Tom Hartman podcast brought to you by Cameron Hughes Wine. There's a little secret that most people don't know about the highest quality wineries in the United States and how they work. They'll say, you know, as they start their year, okay, we're going to bottle, say, 5,000 bottles of wine this year. And so they overproduce for that, produce enough for maybe 6,000 bottles of wine. But, you know, they've, they've sold 5,000, they're ready to get 5,000 out. And so that's basically all they do under their own label. And then when they're done, they've got casks of wine left over that haven't been bottled. Cameron Hughes contracts with some of the very best vineyards in America to take that essentially surplus wine. I mean, you know, it's the exact same wine you would buy in a bottle for 50, 60, 100. Uh, one of the Cameron Hughes wines I had last week, the retail price, if you knew who the brand was, was over $150 a bottle. Cameron Hughes buys that in bulk, bottles it, puts just a simple number. Here it is, lot 546 or lot 622. Simple number on it, and you get some of the most spectacular wines at huge discounts off what you would normally pay. Cameron Hughes has been doing this since 2001, seeking out high-end wine from around the world and selling it online direct to his customers. This is not just American wines. Earning Cameron Hughes Wine the number one wine brand online. It's just extraordinary stuff. Uh, I recently sampled Lot 609. This is a Cabernet Sauvignon. It was insane. It was so good. It was bold. It was rich. It had the, the black fruit and red licorice and crushed red rock, all these, these extraordinary tastes, juicy and ripe on the palate. You got to check this out. Go to chwine.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M. C-H as in Cameron Hughes. That's his name. He, the guy who started the company and runs it. I've talked with him. He's a great guy and he's doing amazing stuff. chwine.com slash T-H-O-M. Or text the word wine, W-I-N-E. Text the word wine to 511-511 and you'll get free shipping with your minimum three bottle order. So text wine to 511-511. Cameron Hughes Wine. Exceptional value. Extraordinary wine. Now enjoy the podcast. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. Louise and I are uh, down here in Orlando for this nine-day workshop on neurolinguistic programming, which is turning out to be just absolutely mind-bogglingly fascinating, and I'll be telling you about that a little more as we go on through the day. But uh, it is time, you know, it's, well, it, typically we do this on Wednesday, but I'm here on Thursday, and, and I believe Congressman Mark Pocan is too. Are you with us, sir? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> well, we're, gonna, we're, we're waiting for Congressman Mark Pocan uh, to show up, but uh, when he does... You know, hopefully he didn't get dragged off for a vote or something. There's this wild hearing going on right now uh, in the House of Representatives, but I believe it's all committee heads who are who are doing the hearing. Um, and uh, I was watching part of this thing this morning with the um, uh, Peter Strzok, the the uh, uh, what would you call him, the uh, FBI agent, I guess, um, who uh, was having this affair with I think her name was Lisa Page, and they were communicating not using their FBI phones, but their private phones. But, uh, you know, the Republicans got a hold of these private communications and, you know, he clearly had some political opinions. And, uh, boy, are they they're going after him on that. So we'll see where that goes. Um, the uh, a couple of points that I'd like to share with you while we're waiting for Congressman Pocan to show up. 
just a couple things, just some observations that I think are really important for us all to pay attention to. Number one, if Donald Trump thinks that he is going to harm the, uh, the economy of China by tariffs and that he's got some, you know, incredible leverage to do that and all that, you know, all that sort of thing, uh, he has another thing coming. This, you know, China has essentially done basically the exact same thing that the United States did back in the 19th century, and that is build their economy using using the the uh, the structure essentially of tariffs and uh, promotion of domestic industries. These are phrases from Alexander Hamilton's 1793 report on the subject of manufacturers. Um, they have used these uh, systems, you know, uh, uh, in our case it was Buy America provisions, in their case uh, the government can only buy from Chinese manufacturers. Um, they subsidize industries until they're up and strong, they, so they protect them with tariffs, things like that. They have reached the point, China has, and they were very much not there the, the month of November 1986 when I lived in China and studied acupuncture at the acupuncture hospital there. Um, it, 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 I was in Beijing, and there were no skyscrapers. Uh, th there were virtually no cars. I mean, I stood in Tiananmen Square, which is in front of a 12-lane highway, and it was just a sea of black bicycles, and maybe once every five minutes, one car would go by. So they've gone from that in 1986 to being one of the most modern and well-developed well countries in the world. So if Trump thinks that he's going to hurt China by simply, uh, you know, uh, trashing them with tariffs. He's got another thing coming. They have reached the point where their own internal domestic market is large enough that they don't need us anymore. Now, it's, you know, they can cause us pain. We can cause them pain. I'm all in favor of, of, a, of a, uh, uh, an America first trade policy. Um, I'm reluctant to use that phrase America first simply because of its horrible racist connotations going back to uh, World War II. But anyhow, just for the, for the point. But I understand Congressman Pocan is not with us? Yes. Sorry, Tom. Sorry I had to be a little detained. <laughs> That's quite, that's quite all right. You're a member of Congress. Stuff comes up. I get it. Uh, we're so happy to have you. And uh, I would add, you know, you're going to be with us for the hour taking calls. It's our Middays with Mark here on Thursday. We're live Thursday. I'm in Orlando. You're in, uh, I assume, Washington, D.C. Yes. And, uh, yes. And uh, he, you know, the, the Congressman Pocan's website, of course, is pocan.house.gov. He is the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, one of the largest, most active, and I think most important caucuses. Uh, caucus is a group of people working together in the United States Congress. If you have calls for Congressman Pocan, 202-808-9925. He'll be with us for the hour taking your calls. And Congressman, just to kick this off, um, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on what's going on right now in the world. Uh, pick the topic that you think is most important. Well, I, I think, you know, the, the most interesting, I spent a 13 half hours in an appropriations hearing yesterday, so I spent a lot of time following the president's activities with NATO, um, uh, picking a, a new energized fight with uh, Germany uh, after he's picked a fight with Canada, and now he's going to meet his buddy uh, in Russia. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's a weird time, right? Uh, and watching uh, what's going on, as you were just talking about with the tariffs, um, you know, I, if, I would feel more comfortable if he actually had an overall uh, coherent uh, message about what he's trying to do with trade. Instead, he's kind of throwing tariffs out somewhat indiscriminately. And uh, we're just at a time where, you know, again, Donald Trump's lack of any international expertise is just showing over and over and over again. And, you know, he seems to care more about the people who can either uh, grant him trademarks or anything else for his his, his own ventures than uh, what he's doing for the country. So it's just I, I am as perplexed probably as everyone who's listening with how he handles international relations. Yeah, in fact, uh, we, uh, Louise and I took uh, Dr. Richard Bandler, who's teaching this seminar that we're at, uh, out to dinner a couple nights ago, and the, uh, the Uber driver was like, uh, hey, Trump, with those tariffs, he's going to bring jobs back to America, right? And uh, we, we all sort of made the point that if, uh, if I'm the owner of a factory in the United States uh, that is thinking, uh, hey, you know, uh, we're going we're gonna to put tariffs on, on uh, you know, Chinese-made products so that, uh, you know, people in America will buy them from me, I'm not looking at a, at a time horizon that ends in a year and a half or at the most at five and a half years at the end of the Trump presidency. I'm looking at a time horizon that has to be at least 10 to 20 years before I make a $100 million investment in expanding my factory. And by not doing this through you guys, through Congress, putting these things into law, but instead by doing them by presidential fiat, 
there's no company in America that's going to say, hey, we're going to risk everything on this. And so, you know, he's, you know, his, his instinct is right, but his, his execution is like a total bumble. You know, it's, right. uh, am I making sense? Targeted tariffs can work, especially against countries that violate the rules. But this president seems to put them out via tweets. He puts them out against people who are following the rules that you'd normally have other things in place. So if you're going to do something with China, that's fine, because there are some valid issues we have with China. But then make sure you have some agreements with your allies to help make up for what you may be losing along the way. And none of that's happened. Instead, he's picking fights with our allies that we actually need because he has no overall strategy. I think the best example I heard someone say is it's like he's a chef with all the right ingredients in front of him. And he has no idea what proportion of anything to put inside. So, you know, you can make a really great meal with what's in front of him, or you can make something that's unedible. And unfortunately, he's making something that's unedible. And he's got a really sharp knife in his hand, and he's waving it around wildly, and we're all standing within five feet of it. It's uh, it just, it, 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 you know, the, the kind of damage that could be done by this. We're going to hit a hard break here in about 20 seconds, Congressman. We're doing, because I'm on the road, we're doing all hard breaks. Um, uh, so is there anything else that you'd like to point out? Uh, um, you know, I, I think that's been, you know, one of the big things that's going on. Um, you know, also, uh, you know, oh, there we go. We hit the break. No yeah. Okay. All right. We'll come back. I, we've got a whole stack of calls here for you uh, from all over the country. So we'll just flip this right into middays with Mark as soon as we get back from this break. Congressman Mark Pocan, the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, one of the really good guys in Congress with us taking your calls. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan, M-A-R-K-P-O-C-A-N. Rep like and represented. Rep Mark Pocan. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you live from Orlando, where we're attending a seminar. It's uh, purenlp.com if you want to check it out. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us. He is, uh, well, <laughs> you know all this stuff. Congressman, you're still with us, right? Yes, I am. <laughs> okay, great, great. I'm, I, don't, I don't have a monitor here. I can't see what's going on. Oh, so, I'm here. Yeah, uh, don't let's, Okay. Let's pick up some, uh, some, some more phone calls here. Uh, tr this is a, a trucker in Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, trucker Sam. Hey, Sam, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thank you. Greetings. Um, Hi, Sam. Congressman, why is no one investigating who is making money off of separating these children from their parents? down on the border because somebody's making and, it. And one of these companies is charging $700 a day to hold these children, and Betsy DeVos is a stockholder in the company. What's going on with this country? Oh, yeah, I, no, and there have been some articles starting to show the connections, uh, the donations from one of the major firms in Texas that's running these. Um, part, I, I'm not necessarily thinking that they're doing this to, to empower the firms because I think Donald Trump is doing this to uh, get cheers at his rallies when he talked about the need for a wall, right? He is... Uh, doing all these things to try to rally that xenophobic part of his base, the racist part of his base. Uh, but the companies that are doing this, because, again, he had no plan when he made these decrees. And is what we saw this week is he's had a fraction of the children he was court-ordered to reunite. Uh, he has reunited. He's, he's mishandling this because there was no plan when he put it together. I think if this was done purely to give money to a company, there would have been a better plan of attack. And uh, instead, this is done because Donald Trump operates like Donald Trump operates. He just makes a decree and then thinks he's doing what's best regardless of, of anyone else because that's Donald Trump. So I, I certainly am having concerns with what's there. We're going to see more if there is anything that leads to it. But I, I truly believe he did this just because he's Donald Trump. He makes a decree. He thinks he's right on something. And I could see when I was at the border, this has been done with no planning whatsoever. That's why it's been chaotic. That's why we can't find kids and their parents to reunite. And it's why it's been such a terrible, terrible mess. Charles, Nopalaka, Florida. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, how you doing today, Mr. Pocan? Very good, Charles. Thank you. Okay, I'm looking at these hearings right now, and I'm thinking, wait, first of all, you have Donald Trump and these Republicans and the administration um, trying to force uh, Rob Rosenstein, I think, they, the, the FBI guy, to release information about an ongoing investigation about um, Russian conspiracy. And right now, you have Bob Goodlatte actually saying to the, the Democrats, no, that they should not release because of an ongoing investigation that they're doing, that you should not release transcripts of Peter Strzok's first, um, first uh, I guess, um, closed-door meeting with the committee. And I just see that this is, this is just like, you know, they're, they're, you know they're, they're full of it. But my question to you is this. 
are you going to hold any town hall meetings on trying to stop this um, this um, Supreme Court pick? Because um, to me, Mitch McConnell made up a rule, and he's going against it just for partisan reasons. They're trying to take over. And I would like to know if you're going to be willing to, to put your constituents out there and let them air you know, their, 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 their worries, and, and hopefully we can get this on the news too. Yeah, so Charles, I mean, so as you know, the Senate does the confirmation of the Supreme Court. So I'm hoping that senators will do exactly what you're saying, because I think if people get a chance to be heard, uh, as we know um, right now, the, the people are very energized and watching what's going on in this country. And when you see a pick that appears to be the, the sole reason why this person was selected to be in the Supreme Court is because they're the one person who said you shouldn't go after a president while they're sitting as a president, um, certainly uh, is a parallel to what's going on right now. And Donald Trump cares about one thing and one thing only, and that's Donald Trump. So uh, we would love to have uh, people's voices heard, and that's what senators should be following. So uh, I certainly hope uh, that's what they'll do. People should reach out to their senators on this uh, to make sure that they're heard. But I know that there are a lot of pressures we're reading about because of the election coming up. And I can also tell you from doing some programs recently on Fox, as I listen to people in the green room, uh, they're excited because they know their base has not been motivated, and they think they could motivate the base around abortion and a Supreme Court pick. So, you know, they may try to use this in very, very political ways because uh, they've had an uninspired base up to this point because of Donald Trump. So there's a lot going on, but the best thing we can do is reach out to our senators and make sure they know what we think. Ken in Great Falls, Montana. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, it's a question about immigration. One of the big problems we have is there are 8 million people who are illegally working in this nation. Now, that means there's probably about two to 300,000 illegal employers. I would like to see the Democrats have a zero-tolerance program for illegal employers. And let's put that ball in the court because it's really a travesty to have these illegal people working because they have no rights. They don't call OSHA when there's problems. They're always in fear. And the, uh, the Chamber of Commerce loves this. The manufacturers love this. These are the kind of employees they want. We need to get all these people documented. But if we started putting these employers in prison and giant fines, let's put it in their court. Yeah, Ken, I, I, can we separate I, I, employers from their families? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, uh, Ken. And, you know, I, again, I don't expect Paul Ryan to do that, right? Because, as you said, uh, a lot of uh, folks with the U.S. Chamber and others uh, like it just the way it is, right? They've got people that can't uh, report abuses or overtime uh, law violations or a whole lot of other things. What I hope all of this is doing, and I think the separation of children from families has been the catalyst to make us look at just how cruel and inhumane and un-American the system we have right now, and Congress not doing anything uh, about this since I've been here. This is my sixth year. And that first session, a bipartisan bill came out of the Senate. Not perfect, but it had some extra protection at the borders, but more importantly, it also had a pathway to citizenship for aspiring Americans and actually dealing with the problem that we all know is existing in this country. And the House of Representatives under Republican leadership didn't take it up. You know, maybe what we need to do is actually have that comprehensive immigration reform debate and now people are seeing what happens when you don't. You can have a president who uses uh, you know, agencies as his own police forces, deportation forces, going after people um, with you know, traffic violations, uh, going after people with decade-old minor offenses in order to gin up numbers for a wall rather than dealing with the issue as we need to, that there are millions and millions of people who are currently here, and we need to figure the system out. And doing nothing is unacceptable. So. I'm hopeful that the catalyst really has been Donald Trump being so perversely wrong by separating kids from their parents that now people who don't normally think about this are woken up to the issue. And now let's have that real debate because I think American people get that this is a nation of immigrants and we've got to have a solution and not let it linger. Uh, Courtney in Ukiah, Cal oops, there we go. Courtney in Ukiah, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Tom. Thanks for uh, taking us on the road with you. And, hi, Congressman. I just wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, I'm listening to everybody's concern over the new Supreme Court appointee and Roe versus Wade. And, I mean, that's understandable, of course, but, okay, so um, Roe versus Wade is nothing more than uh, set legal precedent. I mean, so what would stop us when we take back the House and the Senate come November, Democrats, why can't we pass a federal law protecting abortion rights? Yeah, I understand that it may be touchy with, you know, states' rights, 
states' rights versus uh, federal authority, but it seems right. like something should be able to be done let's, on that. Let's let's ask let's let's let Congressman Pocan. Sure, and, and I think from what I've seen, most of the hypothesization is if uh, the court decides to go after this, which is going to have a little bit of lead time, it'll be more going after aspects of uh, abortion rather than going directly immediately after Roe versus Wade. Um, so you're right. There are many things we can do. What we don't want to do is uh, have a patchwork of, of laws across the country. And uh, the best way we can resolve this is to really deal with the Supreme Court up front and directly. But um, you're right. There are many uh, other ways I think they're going to come and attack this as a Supreme Court that we have to be ready for and be ready to legislate around. Um, I saw where one of the governors, and I'm sorry I don't remember which one it was. I've been reading so many news stories on this stuff lately. Um, just came out and said that if the court strikes down Roe, that state has a law, a 160-year-old law, making abortion illegal at, under all circumstances and in all places, which has been unenforceable since 1973 because of Roe, and so they never bothered to take it off the books. Anthony in upstate New York. Quick one for Congressman Hey, Pope. Congressman, I'll make it really, really quick. Um, there's three people from Wisconsin separated from their families. Unfortunately, they were separated into, into coffins by illegal driving drunk. Plus, I could give you a fat time names of dozens of others who are separated from their families because of the actions of people here illegally. Are they just a casualty of the process, or how do we, how do we protect Americans? And not, not just using ripping from families a term for people here illegally. I'd like to protect keeping families together in life of our sure. own citizens first. Sure. And, and you know what? In Wisconsin, there's more than three people that were killed by drunk drivers, I can assure you, uh, in a very short amount of time. And it's not just because someone is not here on a legal basis. I know that uh, certain people like to use those examples as a reason to why uh, we need immigration um, reform, i.e. a wall, i.e. people who don't have darker color skin than themselves. Uh, but it's used in an extremely distorted way. Uh, bottom line is uh, there actually are lower uh, evidences statistically of crime by people who are here in this country who are not citizens because they're quite honestly uh, being far more careful uh, when they're here than, than not. So let's not fall for that conservative rhetoric, and let's realize that when you separate a kid from a mother who come here to a legal entry point to claim asylum, which is legal under international law because of violence in countries that, quite honestly, we've exported the MS-13 gang members to El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala, and they're here for legal asylum reasons. They should be heard for legal asylum reasons and not treated like they aren't humans. That's the bottom line, and that goes beyond any rhetoric that's put out there by conservatives. Congressman, thanks so much for being with us today. It's always great talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tom. Take care. And we'll be back. John Laval is going to be with us. I keep, you know, we talked about this on Tuesday. We're at this... Uh, seminar in neurolinguistic programming. Uh, he is a master tra trainer of NLP and uh, design human engineering and the president of the Society for N of NLP. So we're going to take about a half hour pause here and talk about that. You're listening to Tom Hartman. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. I am a big believer in stuff that works and in sharing stuff that works. And, you know, we had this conversation with Richard Bandler on Tuesday. And uh, John Laval is with us. He is a master trainer of NLP and design human engineering, DHE. Uh, he is the president of the Society for NLP, which is the group that licensed me way back, geez, I don't even know how many years ago, 15, 17, something like that, more than that. Um, and uh, as an, uh, well, actually, in fact, it was in the 80s uh, uh, it, with, uh, when Louise and I both got uh, first licensed as practitioners and then, and then as a trainer. And um, I wanted to, and, and, and John, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to have you with us. And, and I wanted to talk to you about NLP and uh, neurolinguistic programming. First, for people who might not have heard our conversation with Richard two days ago and probably a large chunk of our audience that didn't, um, can you recap for us just you know, briefly, what NLP is. What you know? What are people here at the seminar for? Why? Why? You know, what? Where did it come from? All that kind of stuff. Sure. NLP is about. Uh, it's how the brain works. About how the brain works with language mm -hmm. and behavior, um, and that's really what got me very interested in it. So, uh, people come to a seminar like this to learn a number of different things. One is how to make have their communication a little bit more precise. Uh, how they learn how their brain works. Um, we're not taught how our brain works, actually, right? Um, and how does that connect to behavior? 
So uh, I, I can give lots and lots of different examples of uh, what would be useful in using NLP. Because a lot of people, they, they think it's like, uh, first of all, it's not a panacea. A lot of people think it's a panacea. It'll cure anything or fix anything. But and that's not totally true. Uh, it, will, it will teach people how to use their brain, which is important, and how to, project, how to pr use their language in order to project out what it is they're trying to communicate to people. A um, couple examples for, you know, uh, let's see. In business, for example, I, I like to do these things in business. In, in business, companies don't, for example, they don't communicate their mission very well or their objectives very well or even their strategies very well to their employees. Uh, as much as they might, you know, wordsmith things and everything else like that, they may, they may use words that don't necessarily work uh, or work for everyone. Let me say that. Example. example. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, there's a list of words. I, I refer them in business as motivator words. In the language business, they're known as modal operators. And they're real simple. Here, here, here's a small list of them, you know. Uh, want, need, wish, like, like to, uh, will, must, words like that. So all of these words don't work for everyone in the same way. So if, I say, if I'm your boss, let's say I'm your boss, and I said to you, um, I need, there's a report you give me, you know, your activity report from the previous week, let's say. And I said to you, I wish I could get my reports from you on Monday. I don't know what's the propensity of me getting that report on Monday based on that one word. So for, even for the people out there right now, if I said to you or said to them, uh, think about this, and if I were your boss and I said to you, I wish I could get my reports from you on Monday, what are the chances of me getting my reports based on that word? Wish. On wish, just on wish. Most people would shrug their shoulders and say, oh, maybe you'll get it Wednesday. Uh, next word. So uh, I would like to have my reports on Monday. What's the propensity? What, what are the possibilities of me getting that report on Monday, on that one word? Um, and the reason I, the, what I do is I ask people to, when they hear the, the word just as a, a test for themselves, what's the feeling they get to the word in terms of their motivation of doing that based on that word? Well, what if I said, I want my reports on Mondays? Does that up the chance of me getting my reports on Mondays? Okay. Depends on whether I care about what you want. Absolutely. You may not care what I wish. Yeah. You might not like, you know, John, uh, yeah, you'd like to have my reports, you know, I'd like to have a raise. Right. right? Uh, I need my reports on Mondays. And you might think, well, John, if you need the reports, why don't you do the reports? Or I might say, uh, I must have my reports on Mondays. And that might up the, the possibility of me getting my reports on Mondays. It's just one little list of words. Sure. So, so if we're talking about precision of language, if I can, you know, this is a political talk show. Sure. And without talking about our personal politics, what, what are some of the big mistakes that people make when they try to communicate in, in general, I know we're going to talk with your wife about communicating mm -hmm. in couples and, and relationships and friends and all that kind of stuff, but, but um, just trying to communicate concepts, mm -hmm. political concepts. Yep. Well, it, again, it's going to depend on the language they use. So, you know, if they say, for, for, first of all, one of, the, one of the words they'll use a lot is we, uh -huh. instead of saying I, right? And, right? and so, you know, if you think about it, if they said, well, you know, I think we need to do this, or we think we need to do this, you know, what happens in someone's brain, you know, what kind of images do they make when they, in either of those two cases, for example. That's just a simple thing. Uh, or, or we've done this. Or even, even things like we have decided to do this as opposed to uh, a decision has been made to do this. You know, both of those might or might not reach the objective of what they want someone to understand. But each one of them is going to have a different impact on, right. the, other, on, the, on the receiver, let's say, on the right. receiver of that communication. Um, I like to listen to po po politics, you know, I like to listen to the speeches and things like that. Uh, I like to listen for uh, how long are the sentences they're using, uh, how many different, what kind of adjectives, how many different adverbs are they using. You know, when I grew up, I was, I was fascinated with grammar. You know, I, I liked, I was one of those kids in school who liked diagramming sentences. I was probably the only one of two maybe in the whole class. But it taught me a lot. Uh -huh. you know, it taught me a lot about how language works and how it operates. And it, it kind of hung in there with me. So. As far back as I can remember, I would listen to how people were saying what they would be saying. And I realized even more when I started learning about NLP, you know, the technology, that uh, you could make that even more precise if you really wanted to deliver the message. And it didn't have to be a hard message, you know, but did it hit the point? Did it hit where you wanted it to hit, you know, in, in, the, other, in the receiver's mind, basically? Um, I look at, I look at uh, political ads, and, and uh, depending on who, you know, it doesn't matter who it is, actually, is there enough... I'm going to refer to the word meat in the message. Or is it so ambiguous it leaves it up to the individual person to fill in the blanks? 
one of the big pieces of NLP is that basically we experience the world through our senses. That's right. And, and we also construct our, our world, our internal world, with uh, representations of those senses. In other words, we have feelings, we can also hallucinate feelings. We hear things, we can also hear our own voice or hear voices in our heads. We see things, we can also make pictures. That's right. We should do all those things, presumably, when trying to communicate with another person, whether it's communicating politics or communicating how great your product is. Yeah, I would use all of the systems uh, because one of the things is this. You don't know what the other person is doing in their brain. You, you may or may not know. Even if they're communicating with you, you may pick up some clue, let's say that. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, if they're more visual than they are auditory, let's say, um, they're going to be kinesthetic. They're going to use feelings. Uh, even smells and tastes sometimes. You know, so you've heard people say uh, that's a delicious idea, for example. And that's that's going to go right to the you know to the gustatory. Um, so so what we teach people to do because, especially like in advertising, use all of the systems because you've got an open audience out there. You don't know what what, what people's primary. I, I, worked, I did some work in the stereo business with uh, with some friends of mine, and uh, and they wanted me to speak with their salesperson, uh, up up the sales. And they warned me ahead of time. They said, listen, he's a great guy. He knows a lot about stereos and all this stuff. But, um, but he's basically an engineer guy. He's not a salesperson. So I went up and spoke with the guy. And I noticed what customers were asking for. And he thought they want to hear. It's the stereo they want to hear. And that's not true. People would come in and they would say, that stereo looks like it sounds really good. Ah, got it. We're hitting a break here. So we'll, we'll be right back. We're talking with John LaValle. He's a master trainer of NLP and DHE and the president of the Society for NLP. PureNLP.com. This is the Tom Hartman Program. We'll be back with uh, more of my conversation with John Laval here live from Orlando right after this. Hey, do you brush with an electric toothbrush or have you wanted to? If you're using one of the one of the older, bigger, bulkier, you know, and some of them you know, are so aggressive they can even damage your mouth, uh, tooth, electric toothbrushes, uh, or if you've never... Used an electric toothbrush, I want you to pay attention. There's a new electric toothbrush. Time Magazine called it the invention of the year, right? Uh, it's called Quip, Q-U-I-P. It's slim, it's lightweight, it's about the size of a regular toothbrush. It's got a, you know, a little AAA battery inside that powers it and powers it for months at a time uh, be, between changes. And it, it does a really great job. It aggressively cleans your teeth, but it does so in a way that's good for your gums and good for your teeth. It's a, the perfect two-minute clean. So check this thing out. And it's great for traveling. It comes with a little tube that you can drop it in to travel because, like I said, it's about the size of a regular toothbrush, much, much smaller than your, than your big electric toothbrushes. And you can find out all about it at getquip.com slash Tom. That's G-E-T, getquip, Q-U-I-P, dot com slash T-H-O-M. Getquip.com slash Tom. For more information, it's only 25 bucks, and they send you the refills, the, the brush heads that you're supposed to replace every three months. Every three months, they'll send those to you for only $5 free shipping. It's an amazing deal. Getquip.com slash Tom. So we're back. We're talking with John Laval. He is the, uh, the, the, the big cheese here, the guy who puts, <laughs> puts on the conference that, that, that uh, I'm at and that we're talking about. Let's talk some more about, you know, uh, pictures you were, t you, were t you were explaining, you know, mm -hmm. how... If, you're, if somebody comes into a store to buy something, and even if it's an audio piece of audio equipment, and they're saying, you know, hey, that looks like a great stereo to me, that means that that person thinks in pictures. Well, it means that, at that it, in that context, uh, they're looking at a stereo, uh -huh. and therefore thinking that it's going to sound really good. Uh -huh. uh, I'm not even sure if it goes that far, uh -huh. uh, but they want the, they're going to buy the stereo based on what it looks like. Not right. what it sounds like, you know. Right. And, and back in the earlier days, of course, the more bells and whistles and lights it had, and you know, blinking things and little, you know, gauges and stuff, that uh, they would they would be more impressed with that as a stereo. Uh, oh, because wow. he, I remember those. Because <laughs> even even after they bought it, they would say things like, "Oh, wait till our friends come over and see this stereo." Yeah. And uh, so, uh, it's 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 interesting to me. Uh, and there are other examples of that, by the way. You know, someone might want to you know buy an automobile. You know, and they go into the automobile you know dealership, and, and uh, they might think uh, that they want a, they, they want a car that's going to it's a red car because it's fast. Uh -huh. You know, somehow or another, the red car e equates to fast, um, and that's a kinesthetic thing, fast basically, right? Um, so 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 it, it, because we use our five senses, it doesn't mean we really know what someone's primary system is going to be or favorite. Let's say favorite system, because we do use all of them. Uh -huh. You know, some people will say, well, I don't really make images, and I say, actually, you do. 
you know, you may not be aware of the pictures or the images in your head. And then we have the internal voice. You know, you mentioned the internal voice. Uh, most, everyone I know talks to themselves at one point in time or another. Um, what is it that that voice does for them? Does it help them or does it hinder them? Uh -huh. And uh, so all, the, all of these things come in, into play. Uh, I find in business that, you know, e even, even being able to parse information for people, you know, um, on a simple basis, you know, because the one thing I, I really appreciate is people who are doing something, re getting results or performing their job, basically. Uh -huh. And so a company might call me and say, listen, can you, I want to you know, talk to my manager, Charlie, and I go, what's up? And they would say, who's not doing his job? And it's real simple, very simple thing. I say, does he know what his job is? Uh -huh. You know, so, so asking the right question, they say, well, he should know his job, what his job is. And I'm thinking, if, if he's not doing his job, there's a number of reasons for it. Uh, we can go to motivation. He's not motivated to do his job, okay? And uh, managers aren't responsible for motivating people. I, I have people argue with me about that. But there's a different place where that comes in. Um, so does he know what his job is? Does he not motivated to do his job? Does he doesn't have the skills for his job? He may not have the skills for, to do the job. We don't really know unless we ask questions. Um, so what NLP does is give you the ability basically to really to ask better questions to find out what's going on. And once you know what's going on, then you can have a, a fix for that issue or whatever it is. I basically tell people the following things in business. Listen, you've got to hire the right person. That's a skill and a science. Um, you've got to train the right person. And then you've got to promote the right person. And this is how you keep business going. It's like this. Um, how you treat customers. More than that, how do you treat your employees? Yeah. They're your best asset. They are your biggest asset. Yeah. And the customers, you know, they help you pay the bills. But the employees help the customers. Yeah, totally. Totally, sure. totally sure. agree. And uh, I've got some great employees. Give me a plug to Sean and everybody else out there. We'll be right back with John LaValle. Stick around. Master trainer of NLP and DHE, uh, the president of the Society of NLP, the uh, website for uh, your, your organization and the seminar sure. I'm attending is uh, purenlp.com. Right. And you can learn all about what uh, what I'm doing. Scott Carter was here on our program a couple days ago. He's here. We're, uh, Louise, of course, my wife, we're, ta we're taking this together. Um, John, we were... T we were talking about the, the guy wanting to buy the stereo and saying, you know, I want one that looks kind of cool, right? You know, right. I, I like the lights and things because yep. he was into what it looks like. And, and we're talking about how to make communication effective. How would a, a salesperson screw that up or how would a salesperson make that work? And if you could also, at the same time you're answering that, tell the people who are listening or watching how if they're trying to similarly communicate an idea, a political concept to somebody, or, you know, and of course this applies to everything, but, you know, again, it's a political talk show. Mm -hmm. um, how, how to be most effective at doing that? Because I'm guessing that they're pretty much the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically you're talking about influence. Uh -huh. uh, so, so to me, persuasion and influence, you know, they come under the same category. Anybody who thinks they're not influencing people, uh, it's time to wake up. Well, wait, one of the big objections is, oh, my God, this is manipulation. Right. Uh, there are a couple of ways to answer that question. Uh, one is, uh, yes, it is. And if you look at the definition, that means to move something from point A to point B. Uh, some people have had a negative experience around the word, which I understand that. Uh, however, um, if, you, if you're in an elevator and, and there's someone else in the elevator and you smile at them, why are you smiling at them? And most people say, well, so they'll smile back. And my next question is, are you manipulating them? Uh. So, you know, I, I also understand that the, uh, the negative side of it. Um, but you know what? Uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't propose that at all. I mean, that's, that's you know... Uh, we want to do the win-win thing. Yeah, you guys are, one of the things that really impresses me about you guys is that you're really high integrity, uh, you know, in what you're doing, and you, uh, this, the whole ecology check thing. But back to the salesman who's trying to convince, or the, the you know, the, the friend that you're trying to convince about a political point of view. Yep. Uh, one, one thing is you got to be honest about your product or your service. I mean, that's important. Um, and how do you, how are you going to communicate that, right? You've got to know your market. You know, you've got to know who, who's, who are the buyers in your market, basically, really. Uh, sex is uh, even, I don't care, it could be politics for that matter, huh. right, depending on what it is you're, you know, selling. Sure. Um, and uh, there's, not, there's something else that comes in that we, we refer to. Uh, it's, um, it, it comes down to, uh, it's basically about integrity kind of a thing, as, it, as you mentioned. And uh, what happens is that people are going to track, okay, and it's very easy for them to do that. Do your words match your behavior? Huh. And that's something we look at, it based on, is it, is it con congruency or incongruency? Um, uh, example, simple, I can use one in business, 
lots of them in, in, in politics. It doesn't even matter who the party is. It right. doesn't matter to me. Um, you know, in a business, the boss will come and say, listen, we've got to cut uh, costs and cut expenses. Uh, you've got to lay three people off. And then he gets new furniture and hires two secretaries. Uh, so, but, but that's about that's about not communicating the right message to begin with. Um, we, we don't propose any of that. Um, it, it does come into play, definitely in politics. Definitely comes into play. You know, who, some some people play to their audience, and then change it later, or they play right. to the different audience, and then they change it. Um, I don't think people are that stupid that they don't pick that up. I think people pick that up. In other words, eventually, de intentionally deceptive attempts at communication inevitably fail. Yeah, we don't typically we, yeah, fail. Yeah, we, we don't support that at all. Uh, another, another thing about the technology and using it, with, if you ask someone a question, I, when I ask someone a question anyway, I, I expect an answer to that question. Uh -huh. uh, so are you paying attention as the communicator? So if I have one information from someone, and they go off on track B, am I going to come back and then repeat the question? Right. Right? Um, the, because of the way the brain works, it's very fascinating to me. When you ask a question, people have to search for the answer to the question. And the one thing I don't know, unless there's some deception involved somewhere along the line, is how is it possible? Because once that, once that question is being searched, the answer to the question is being searched in their brain, how do they change the track and go someplace else and not answer the question? Right. I'm fascinated by that. I'm just fascinated by that. Uh, and I understand not answering the question sometimes, sure. right? Um, but it's all based on, it's, it's, the technology, it's, it's about that too. Are you paying attention as the communicator? Are right. you getting the responses you want or not getting the responses you want? Are you, are you speaking in multiple uh, uh, modalities? That's right. Are you talking visual, kinesthetic, audio? That's right, that too. How do you do that? Uh, you do it simply. You know, so I'm, I'm sitting here with you and I'm watching you as we're speaking and uh, I'm getting a sense for that you do a really great program here. Okay, so I just cycled around. Right, so you just said visual, auditory, kinesthetic. Right. So, yeah, thank you, so, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great program. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. And, uh, and so, you know, I basically teach people, if they want to get the message across, and it's to the masses or groups of people, basically, then learn to cycle through. Right. You know, use visual words, auditory words, kinesthetic words, and more visual words, auditory words, kinesthetic words. Right? And so, you know, once again, right, you know, so you and I are, you're, you're downstairs, you're doing parts of the seminar with us and things like that, right? You're watching what's going on, you're engaging with people, you're talking to different people, you're doing exercise with people so you're understanding more and more about how these things work. And after that's going to happen, then you're going to be able to see even more results going on because you're talking to different people and you're doing more kinesthetic things, right? You're engaging more things, right? You're kinesthetic work. So it's just a matter of practicing. That's the practicing, practicing, practicing. There you go. John Lavelle, he is the... Uh the president of the Society of NLP and the website purenlp.com. You're Thanks, listening Thanks, to the Tom Hartman program. Call 202-808-9925. Great having you with us. We'll, I'll be back with your calls about politics. We'll get back to politics right after this. Stick This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back, live from Orlando. Louise and I are here at the seminar uh, for on neurolinguistic programming, and I'm so happy to have in the well, we're not in the studio, but here here in the hotel with me, uh, uh, Kathleen Laval. Kathleen is a master trainer in neurolinguistic programming and design human engineering. She is the program director of NLP Seminars Group International. The website is purenlp.com. Absolutely. Website. Okay, great. And Kathleen, welcome. Thank you. Welcome, Tom. It's I'm great glad to be you. here. Uh, me too. I'm so glad you're here. You you are one of the most impressive people to me. I, I am. I, I, you you. I should I should tell our listeners and viewers. You know, Louise and I are studying this stuff. We're we're learning, and Kathleen has been one of the trainers, and is just. And I've been through NLP trainings all the way back to the early '80s. And you're, you just, you are so clear. You are so good at what you do. And well, I'm so you. happy to have you with us. So, We're happy to have you at the seminars, too. Well, thank you. Because I've been waiting to meet you. <laughs> it's, <laughs> so it's, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I, me too. So let's start out, you know, two days ago I asked Richard, what is NLP? Mm -hmm. um, uh, an hour ago I asked John, what is NLP? I'm curious from your point of view, what is NLP? So it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> your thoughts? Well, well, and also some people just tuned in. Yeah, of course. So NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming, and neuro referring to the brain and how the brain works, linguistic referring to language that we use, 
And programming refers to the sequencing or the packaging, parceling of information in our brain. So for many people, um, we know how to use our brain for the most part, um, but we're not always aware of our language. So the language we use inside our brain when we talk to ourselves and the language that we use with others, there's so much more we can learn about that to be able to use it better. And the sequencing of information in the brain, some of us have great strategies. We can get up in the morning fabulous, but we stare at the checkbook and we go, mm, I, should, I should check that, I should balance that uh, later. So how do you learn to use the strategies you have and to build ones that you need to have? That's, that's a really good, concise, and, and, and to that, um, I'll tell you a, a short story and then I'd love you to yeah. un unpack my story if you don't Absolutely. Um, I was teaching a workshop, uh, this was for uh, people who were, quote, learning disabled, ADHD kids, uh, adults rather, and uh, years ago. And I, I, sim I simply asked the room, I said, you know, who has trouble getting up in the morning? And some hands went up, and I said, who doesn't have trouble getting up in the morning? Who easily pops up, other hands went up. And I asked people, you know, are you willing to share what goes on inside your head when you wake up? And the first person who stood up, he said, uh, she said, I have a terrible time getting up in the morning. And I said, so what, what happens, you know, and, and in fact, she said, I have two alarm clocks, and they both have snooze buttons. So I go through four snooze buttons before I'm wow. out of bed. <laughs> so I said, what goes through your mind? And she said, um, I imagine myself showing up late at work, and then I imagine myself, my boss firing me. And then I imagine myself not having a paycheck. And then I imagine myself losing my apartment. And then I imagine myself on the street living in a cardboard box. And then I imagine some guy beating the crap out of me because I'm sleeping on the street. And, and this is what she had to do to wake up. Now, then I asked the, 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 the fellow who said, you know, he wakes up in the morning and he has no problem. And maybe I'm mixing the genders here, but whatever. Okay. And yeah, it doesn't matter. And he said, uh, I love talking to people. And so when I wake up in the morning, I imagine the conversations I'm going to have with people at work today. And I'm just <laughs> so curious about what's going to be talked about. Now, why are those strategies consequential? What do those mean? And what does that tell you about how we can transform our own experience of sure. motivation in life? Sure. Well, motivation can be motivated by thinking about the things that we're going to avoid. Mm -hmm. You know, so some people are actually work better with that. You know, you can sort of, you know, dangle the carrot or not hit with the stick, but hold the stick and warn. <laughs> so there's different ways that people motivate. So, you know, but she went through such a long, lengthy process of thinking about all the negative things. Who the heck would want to get out of bed after that? You know, that's going to be the rest of your day. You're going to go to work, you're going to get fired, living in a cardboard box, getting beaten up. I mean, she's just dumping an incredible amount of negative, what we call bad brain juice. Yeah. Because when you think those bad thoughts, when you have those really bad, you know, you're practicing almost how it would feel if this was a horrible thing that happened to me. You're also, your brain doesn't know the difference. So it's dumping those chemicals, you know, that are created in those negative states, and you're creating bad brain juice. And in bad brain juice, it's hard to motivate. It's hard to make decisions. It's hard to do things. Now, the other guy that's thinking about all the wonderful things that are going to happen that day, then simply he's already filling his brain with really good brain juice. So he's mo very motivated to get out of bed. Now, so it doesn't mean that it always has to be positive, but when she's in that loop of spending so much time with the negatives, you know, someone might have a strategy for getting up and they say, well, I wake up and I say, hey, at least I woke up, it's a good day, <laughs> you know, it's, the sun is shining, um, but you know, this bed feels so comfortable, and then you think, oh no, I don't want to be late, you know, and, and deal with my boss, and then you get out of bed. That's a little bit different. It's They're still doing that towards version. away from, you know, but not with spinning and all the negative things. So her strategy just had a very elongated sort of loop that really wasn't, you know, eventually it got her out of bed, but it probably wasn't getting her out of bed in a very good state. So you want to know the result of the strategy as well. Right, and, and, and I think the result was that she was uh, somewhat disabled by that. Um, sure. And so if you were uh, working with her and teaching her how to make her brain work better, mm -hmm. what would you say? What would you do? Well, I would definitely find out more about her in terms of, how she does motivate, because I'm sure there's something she's motivated to do, you know, whether it, you know, be simple like, a, you know, a, she loves dogs or she loves cats. So if, if you're walking down the street and you saw somebody with the most adorable dog, she'd be very motivated to walk up to the person and go, oh, so cute, can I pet him? Or, you know, so there's something that somebody's motivated about. And I want to know how she does that. So that how do you motivate yourself? I know it's not getting up in the morning, but I want to know, is she even possible 
to motivate herself with better feelings. So you just explicitly and ask then her? use that strategy. Yeah, I'd say, what do you are? What are you motivated about? You know, that's a lot of work to get up in the morning. What's something that you're motivated to do, and it just springs you into action? You don't have to loop through all these horrible things to do it. I'd want to know how she does that one, because that strategy works, but it's not really getting her good results. So I want to know something that's more compact, and then maybe help her to attach that to the content of getting up in the morning. So just take that. Here's, here's how I like Yeah, I see a dog. I feel great. I can right. start to talk to myself like, oh, I'm going to go ask her if I can pet it. So I would take those elements right. of the modalities and build a strategy for getting up in the morning. This ties into how people relate in marriage, huh? how in relationships, in initiating relationships, meeting people. Sure. In business, in politics, even yeah. uh, discussing politics. What do you do when you're at Thanksgiving dinner and crazy aunt, uh, Uncle Ralph goes off on his, on his uh, you know, favorite uh, Fox News rant or MSNBC rant, your choice, <laughs> um, you know, uh, all those things. And I'd like to dig a little deeper into some of those things with you. We have uh, just a minute until we're going to hit a break here. Sure. But um, the, the two strategies that I described, I think one involved uh, the guy hearing uh, his conversations and the other was she was seeing her pictures. Is there a, mm -hmm. a typical preference for one of you? Um, I don't think that people have a particular um, preference or there's a percentage of this visual people, auditory people. I mean. I think we, we do everything. I mean, our brain does everything. Um, but in certain situations, we kind of favor one or the other. But the key is, is to have the ability and the wherewithal to realize that if we're not connecting, and then I've got to start listening. Are we on the same level? Am I saying I'm going to show you I love you? And you're saying, well, why don't you just tell me? You know, then it's time to step back and, and, and realize that you're talking different languages sometimes. But it's not that I'm always visual or you're always auditory. Yeah. Remarkable stuff. We're talking with Kathleen Laval. She is a master trainer in neurolinguistic programming and design human engineering. She's the program director of NLP Seminars Group International. Her website is purenlp.com. And Kathleen can stick around with us for a while if you have any questions for her. We'll be right back. The number is 202-808-9925. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And the website for the seminar that Louise and I are at, and the, the, whole, the whole shooting match here, is uh, purenlp.com. You know, in the world of work, one of the most important things is one of the things that people probably think the least about until they have to sit in it, which is their chair. And the X chair is absolutely extraordinary. This is the new high tech. In fact, they've got a brand new version. It's called the X3, the newest version of the X chair. It is comfortable, it is high tech, and yes, I'll say it, it is sexy. This chair is extraordinary and it will dramatically, consequentially improve your concentration and productivity because it's going to help your posture. And, you know, if you're not in pain and, you're, and your blood is working, you know, flowing well, your brain is going to work well. The new X3 is quite simply the most modern, ergonomic, high-tech, comfortable office chair in the world, period. The X3's unique ATR fabric makes it feel like you're literally floating on air. And its patented split-back lumbar technology provides a cradling, customized feel that has to be experienced to believe. You need to see and feel the X3 for yourself. Go to xchairtom.com. That's xchairtom.com now to check out the X3's perfect blend of design and ergonomics. There's a lot of people, you know, checking these out and going for these chairs. Supplies are limited, so don't wait. Order at xchairtom.com. And if you do it now, you get $100 off. That's xchairtom.com. Or you can call them at 1-844-4X-CHAIR. This chair comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. That's how good it is. Go to xchairtom.com right now. Use the code TOM, T-H-O-M, to get a free footrest. xchairtom.com. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, Tom Hartman here with you, and, and uh, here in the... Uh, in the hotel with us is, is Kathleen Laval. She is a master trainer in neurolinguistic programming and design human engineering and the program director of NLP Seminars Group International. PureNLP.com is the website. Kathleen, we were, we were talking about uh, motivation strategies and, and how people, how they have internal conversations, you know, how they have memories and, and, and things like this. Let's talk about communication if we could. I, 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 John and I talked about this a little bit too and I'd, I'd love to get your take on it. Um, whether in, in our conversation with John it was mostly you know how do you communicate in business, how do you sell something or, or per, you know persuade as it were. Um, 
in relationships. How do we communicate? And, 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 and taking that, you know, the, the example I gave before, and we really never got to flesh it out of, you know, crazy Uncle Ralph comes to Thanksgiving dinner, or maybe not crazy Uncle Ralph. Maybe it's the guy who's in the cubicle next to you at work, yep. or maybe it's your best friend. Um, how do you have, particularly if, if you strongly disagree with somebody's worldview, mm -hmm. whether it's a political worldview or whether it's some other kind of worldview, you know, if you're talking to somebody, well, even, I mean, you know, an extreme example, you're talking to somebody who's, who's a racist. You're talking to somebody who's a, a complete bigot. How do you have a communication with that person that might actually change the way that they experience their own, whatever their frame is that causes them to think that? Right. Um, I mean, the first response as you were asking me the question was, you know, I, I, if I had somebody in a cubicle and I was at work and I, I wouldn't even engage in the <laughs> political conversation. I mean, the first thing is you have to decide, is there something you can do about it? Because sometimes it's worth just tuning it out. Right. You know, the problem is that we get so upset now if somebody says something that doesn't agree with us or becomes offensive to us and we want to argue. Right. And the arguing doesn't do anything. It just creates bad brain juice, for one. And we get ourselves all upset, and then we're cranky, and we get home from work, and then we're talking about the jerk at work and everything he said, and, and, and nothing gets resolved. So you really have to start thinking ahead. Is it worth it, number one? Now, if it is worth it, and to me, worth it would be, do I think I can somehow change this person in terms of you know, getting them to be a little more open-minded if they're closed-minded and they're being very racist and very bigoted? You know, is, is there a way that I can come to some neutral point with them that at least maybe open up the possibility that they could see things a little differently? We have something in NLP we call reframing. And with reframing, we look at being able to change someone's perspective that they can look at something differently. A uh, very, very quick example is uh, a father says, oh, my daughter always says no to me all the time. That's all she does. No, 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 no. And you say, wow, you really raised a strong-willed daughter. Because he's thinking she's just defiant and everything else. And you go, wow, you really raised a strong daughter. Now, just by that one sentence, you, the sound you made was like, hmm. You know, it, it's a change already of perspective. Yeah. And then if you took it contextually and you said, well, I bet that would be pretty useful if she was out on a date with a boy. You'd be wanting her to say, no, 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 no. So there's always ways that you can get people to kind of look at things a little differently mm -hmm. and change the perspective. Um, by reframing, because if you come straight out and just go, well, that's ridiculous to believe that. Now you're invalidating them as a human being. Mm -hmm. And then you've lost all credibility to change. Remember, there's that magical thing we also teach about rapport, mm -hmm. so that you can build a little unconscious rapport, whether you know, we sit somewhere or we do some breathing, that you can begin to at least earn the right to talk to them. Because let's, we just walk in and argue. It's let's define rapport. Okay. So rapport is a way for the brain likes what's the same. However, it notices and learns by noticing what's different. Now, when, when, if you don't have the ability to uh, spend a long time coming to an agreement, you can certainly you know, sit very similar or maybe match some breathing, rate of speech. Um, we all know how annoying it is when someone is talking very, very slow and we're like, you know, we're talking very fast and it's, it just doesn't work out well. But if you begin to match some of those pieces, and at least unconsciously, the person starts to feel like there's some similarity here. Because it's not enough to say to somebody, oh, I understand what you think. Oh, I understand what you're feeling. I understand what you went through. That doesn't work. The brain has to believe that there's something there that says, I understand. That there's some level that we can then have trust. And the brain knows that how? The brain knows that by looking for things that are similar. So the brain is going to go, we're in a similar situation, we're pacing the same way through breathing or rate of speech. So the brain just kind of feels comfortable. Okay. If you, somebody comes in and they're rack, 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 you know, and complaining and, and spewing hate, and you walk in and go, oh, calm down, relax. Hmm. You know, it doesn't help the situation because the brain goes, this is completely different than what I'm doing right now. Right. So it doesn't really help. Yeah. So, so it, uh, you start out by if... You know, if somebody's sitting and you're standing, you might want to sit down and talk. Yeah, to them, pull example. up a chair and sit and go. Right. And, and if somebody's talking softly, you talk softly? Yeah. You know, slowly, you, slowly. You could start, slow down a little bit, talk a little softer if they're talking softly. You know, whatever it is that it takes to be able to have some sort of measurement of comfort. And, that, and, and then the brain goes, oh, this person understands me without yeah. your ever saying, 
Yeah. And that's the beginning of communication. That's the beginning point. That's a good place to start. That's fascinating stuff. Can you stick around? Absolutely. Kathleen Laval is with us. If you have any questions about this, feel free to give us a shout too at 202-808-9925. We'll be back. It's the Tom Hartman Program live from Orlando. few minutes of the show here. Kathleen Laval is with us. She is a master tra trainer in neuro-linguistic programming and design human engineering, DAG, and program director of NLP Seminars Group International. The website is purenlp.com. Yes. And Fred in Bremerton, Washington. Fred, you have a question for Kathleen? Yes, I do. I first want to know the, the uh, acronym is what now? The letters. The M N is for ML. N is for neuro, which means the brain. Okay. L is for linguistics, which is the language we use outside and inside when we talk to ourselves, and P is for programming, which has to do with the sequencing of information in the brain, how we sequence information. Excellent. Okay. Um, as far as the linguistics and the programming, I find myself <laughs> wanting to engage with other people. But within 30 seconds to a minute after engaging with them, I find out that, that the conversation isn't going the way I want it to, and I'm not getting my point across, and then I become disinterested in it because I'm not getting any kind of feedback. Um, it's, it's very difficult for me personally to engage with people one-on-one -on -one when I have so many sources of information I can go to as far as a computer. So why bother? Okay. Well, I mean, certainly there's tons of information that's out there, and the more technology has boomed, it seems the less and less we're, we're dealing with the individual uh, Would you like to engage Fred about relationship. That? Absolutely. Um, Fred, I think one of the things that you can do is to go back to what we talked about earlier about rapport. So when you first enter the conversation, notice how fast or how slow someone is talking. Notice how they're standing. Maybe stand very similar. You don't have to ape them or mimic them. That would be a little weird. But you can just kind of, you know, if they're kind of leaning on the wall, if you're standing in somewhere, then, you know, you can just sort of move in that direction without, you know, uh, completely mimicking what they're doing. And also notice how they're breathing. So at least you have a little bit of comfort and you feel comfortable, they feel comfortable with you. If you're talking very slow and they're talking very fast, they may not want to stop and listen to what you're saying or even answer your questions because it's just too slow for them. Or maybe you're faster and they're slower, and they cannot understand. Because the thing that we know about the brain is that the rate of speech that people speak is usually about the same rate that they take in information in their brain. So if you're talking faster than they're talking, they're not able to catch all the information, and vice versa. So now you have the rapport piece aside, you also sometimes want to get to the point quick. In marketing and sales and all the things that we teach, we always say, you have to start with a why. Why is it worth it for me right now to spend some time with you? You know, you don't have to say that as a marketing pitch. But think about it. You know, you say, start off with, what is it that you want to know from this person? I respect that you have this much information, and this is what I'm interested in learning from you. Can we chat for a few minutes? Do you have a minute? I'd love to ask you about this. You know, so that at least there's a frame to the conversation. If you just walk up and go, hey, nice shoes, it's a nice way day outside and you know and you kind of beat around the bush to get to what you're looking for you know, they may get tired or bored with that or may just drift off into some other conversation Fred does this make sense to you you said you find yourself talking to people and then discover that uh, it, it gets to a point where the the, the root routineness of the conversation gets in the way and I'm not really yeah taking it anywhere else where I would think it would be something exciting to engage with this other person with. Say, uh, I'm a hobby beekeeper. I want to talk to this guy about hobby beekeeping. He wants to go off on the politics of it, and I don't want to go back off on it. So I'm, I'm trying to find a way to back myself away from that conversation right. and redirect it. And I don't think I have the tools available because I'm, I'm not very good at that. <clears throat> well, I first I want to say thank you. First, I want to say thank you for being a hobby beekeeper because we definitely need to take care of the bees. And, and uh, so thank you for, for doing that as a hobby. Um, I think that it's important that, you know, if, if a conversation isn't going the way you want it, then take charge. 
and you know, if they go off on politics or whatever and go, hey, I'm a beekeeper, you know, <laughs> I, I'm busy, just like my bees, so I'm gonna go do something else. Or, you know, unless you wanna talk about something other than politics, I'm going back to my bees. I mean, it's okay to use a little humor and lighten up on things. You don't have to sit there and let somebody drone on about politics if that's not what you wanna talk about. If there's something you need from them, you know, you're there for, for a particular piece of information you want from them, and just say, that's great. I, I'm good to see that you're passionate about politics. And can I simply have the answer to my question? Remarkable stuff. Kathleen, thanks so much for being with us today. You're welcome. It was a lot of Great fun. Great having you here. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. Indeed. Kathleen Laval, a company is uh, NLP Seminar Group International and the Society of NLP, purenlp.com. I'll be back on Monday. Jefferson Smith will be with you tomorrow for Anything Goes Friday and Back to Politics. And Jefferson is real good at that. You're going to have a lot of fun. So have a great day, and don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us, and that includes you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.